Well, hey everybody, so glad that you could join us for today's service. Whether you're joining us in person or you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're a part of what God is going to do today. Our service is gonna begin in just a few moments, so hang in there and we look forward to what God is going to do. We are praying that God would speak to us, that he would draw us closer to him, that we would learn what it looks like to follow Jesus and to worship him and to love him with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind. So we're looking forward to what God is gonna do. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, I'm Lilia Gore, Nursery Coordinator here at Bridges Community Church. We need your help. The nursery is looking for warm and loving volunteers to help care for our babies during Sunday mornings. There are many opportunities during first and second service times on a weekly, monthly, or quarterly basis. Would you please pray about this? And if you're interested or have any questions, please call the church office or email me at lilia at bridges.church. I'm looking forward to serving with you and thank you for your attention. We have started our six-week series entitled A Better Story, which is how to enter into six different conversations the world is already having in a way that shows Jesus as a better story. We're uh, partnering our sermon series with our life group material for this series uh, as a whole church-wide focus, and so we want you in a life group. Even though we have already begun this material, we still want you to get into a life group for the remaining weeks. So you can find um, a list of our life groups if you're here in person out at the welcome table in, in our lobby, or you can find them online. But we want you to get in a group so you can be discussing this material and you can get everything out of it that you possibly can. Hello Bridges family, I am so excited to tell you that on April 16th at 11 a.m. we will be hosting an in-person egg hunt on our campus. This will be a great opportunity for you to invite your friends and family and neighbors to come and enjoy a few hours of fun on our campus. Like I said, it'll be in-person, so we're all going to enjoy being with each other and seeing each other's faces. Right now, I'd love for you to mark your calendars and start praying for this event. Pray that God would use it however he sees fit, but also that he would bring people to our event, that it would be a blessing to them, and maybe, just maybe, some people who would never imagine themselves at church would find them on our campus, not only on Saturday for the egg hunt, but maybe also on Sunday as we celebrate Easter together. You'll notice that in the foyer we have boxes ready to, um, to receive your candy donations. So this week, as you are grocery shopping or ordering online, please be sure to drop a bag of individually wrapped candy into your cart and bring them in next week so that we could use those to fill our many eggs that we already have in our basement. Thank you for your prayers and your support.
Let's all stand together and worship. Let us tell of his wonders all of the earth. Let us sing of his greatness and infinite worth. How he gave up his life, went to the cross. Don't die. 
Well, if you've been here for uh, the last few weeks, you know that we are in a series called A Better Story, where we're talking about ways to share our faith using the better story. And that is the story that Jesus tells, the story of Jesus. So as we continue to worship together this morning, as we continue to sing out, let's uh, remember that better story, the things that he has done and the fact that he has told us to tell this story. So from Psalm 105, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. Let's continue to sing this morning. I won't bow 
Well, go ahead and have a seat. And as you do, I would like to invite up uh, my friends and co-laborers, uh, Suresh and Sujana Puntaloo, uh, who um, are, yes, if you don't know them, they deserve this right here. That's right. And also, if you don't know them, uh, you wouldn't realize that they... Uh, love being up here right now. 
No, they don't. But I begged, and they came up anyway. Well, Suresh and Sujana um, are not only affiliated, but started uh, a ministry that we as a church are partnered with, and it is an, an incredible ministry that I have had the privilege to be able to serve uh, with. And we just wanted to come and share a little bit about that ministry and a little bit about what they've been doing. It's called Much Hope. And uh, to, so to start, what is Much Hope, and how did you guys get started? Yeah, thank you for having us here. And um, Much Hope began as a, our family, Suresh, me, and my one-year-old son, um, going to the parks under the bridges and serving the homeless. And friends and family got to know about it, friends within bridges, outside bridges. They started coming along with us. And over time, um, Bill Ogden suggested we make it into a nonprofit, giving an opportunity for more folks to join hands. And um, that's how Much Hope was created. And our purpose is to share the better story, the good news of Jesus Christ the Savior. And we do, do, uh, do that through serving. Um, yeah, so the, the, the way we share is not only to the recipients of the service project, like the homeless and uh, other people, but people who serve with us. Uh, some, many times we have volunteers who, are, who do not know Christ, who are non-Christians, and they, they come and uh, we have engaged, we engage in conversations with them, and that's how we share the better story with uh, people. Yeah, thank you. So uh, serving, I, I know a lot of events, primarily uh, reaching out to homeless, and uh, not just serving from a distance, but I can tell from experience, from watching, uh, when we say hands-on ministry, this is hands-on ministry. They are out there doing the work, getting uh, as close to people who need to hear Christ as possible, uh, and feeding them uh, both their bellies and spiritually. And so I, I've seen it in action, and you guys are doing incredible work. Uh, but not just the homeless. I, I remember uh, a few years ago, I got to help uh, a little bit, and this is how I really started to get to see you guys in action, uh, when the fires in Northern California and uh, collecting supplies and then driving right into the heart of where uh, there were needs and delivering goods and services. And now, uh, as we know, the global uh, tragedy that's happening in Ukraine, you guys uh, had an event recently to support uh, those in Ukraine. Can you tell us a little bit about... Um, what you did and where that's going. Yeah, so with the nonprofit came uh, the privilege to be able to serve outside our local area. So we are able to stretch outside because we are all joining hands. And when the war unfolded and the heartbreak on the news, I was like all of you praying about it, but also looking for a way to show love to the local Ukrainians. Um, because I call this country my home, but I have extended family in India, and we, when they were going through the crisis of COVID, many of you prayed along and that comforted me. So I was looking for opportunities to come alongside the local Ukrainians, and I got in touch with a group here, and through them, we are able to send medical supplies to live in Ukraine. Um, they're taking it all the way there, and from there, they're sending it um, via um, train to Kharkiv. So it's going to where it's most needed. And we came to you with that need, and all of you supported, and um, we were able to put together 45 boxes of medical supplies. And mind you, these are, yes. 
And these are medical supplies, so they are not bulky. So 45 boxes mean a lot for Tylenol and burn gel and stuff like that. And the van was so packed when we had to drive it to the drop-off place, Pastor Nate and Pastor Dan had to come and play Tetris to make room for Sujay to sit inside. So we were packed. And we also raised enough funds to pay for the shipping costs because this group is doing it on their own, so there's no organization behind them. So we were able to pay for the shipping costs. That's, that's amazing. Let's hear it one more time for, for just that. But I also know that we're not done. That was one event, and there is more to come. There's more ways we can get involved as soon as when? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. another event uh, to, tomorrow. So tell us about what, what we need tomorrow. So this group, uh, the local Ukrainian group, they're all employees like us, and they have lives, but they're doing this when their friends and families back home are hurting. So they're taking time out of their schedules to put this together, and I saw how crunched they were, and they needed somebody to come alongside and help them. So the plan for tomorrow is to go out to their donation center and help sort the supplies get them ready on pallets to be loaded up on the truck for tomorrow afternoon. I know Monday morning is not a very convenient time, but that's when they need it because the shipment is going out tomorrow afternoon. And when we do that, it opens up doors to pray with them, talk to them, share about the better story, and to comfort them through this tragedy. Awesome. Thank you so much. So tomorrow, as soon as tomorrow, and, and this isn't the only one. There will be ongoing support and that's just for what's happening right now. You also have other events going on, some regular, uh, some ongoing, and then when, when issues pop up, um, uh, organizing and, and getting together. But you have regular dinners that you provide to um, the homeless ministry and, and other things. So uh, if you want to get in touch with Suresh and Sujana with much hope, uh, and I hope we all do want to get in touch with them, at bridges.info, under the service link on bridges.info, uh, there's a sign-up for, I, I believe specifically what's in there right now is the homeless uh, dinner event, right? Yeah, uh, so the homeless dinner that we regularly uh, serve on a, a weekly or bi-weekly basis to the local shelter, uh, that's where we can sign up. Uh, but then also on a regular basis, we uh, throughout the year we have a Mother's Day, you know, the Mother's Day event, and the back-to-school backpack drive, Christmas outreach, uh, things like that. So all of those um, are uh, our regular um, service opportunities. So there is no shortage of yes. uh, service opportunities uh, yes. with much hope. So go to bridges.info. Uh, Sujana's email, I looked right before service started. Her email is right there in that link as well. There's a place to click and sign up for one particular event, but also her email is there to get in touch with her, and I, I'm sure she'll blast out, hey, we have a need. Uh, come sign up. Come join us. Uh, so please reach out. Uh, get a hold of them. It is a fantastic ministry, and really, it is how we can continue to tell uh, this better story. So thank you guys for all that you're doing, but before I let you uh, go back to your comfort zone off the platform, uh, I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to pray uh, for what's happening in Ukraine as well. Uh, but let's all take uh, some time right now to enter into a time of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this opportunity that we have uh, here right now. Uh, that we can uh, stand here in this building, uh, in the comfort of, of our building, uh, where we can feel safe and we can feel comfortable and we can worship you together. And, and God, let us not take that for granted. Let us continue uh, to sing out to you, uh, to, 
sing out to our, our creator, um, the one who has redeemed us. Uh, God, let us sing out with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And as we sing out and cry out to you, God, let us remember those who uh, are not in a comfortable situation right now. Uh, God, those here locally, uh, homeless, um, those who are suffering and struggling, who are in need, God, we want to lift them up to you. May your mercy overwhelm and surround them uh, right now. And we thank you for Suresh and Sujana and Much Hope and the many people who partner with them uh, to serve our friends here in this community who are in need. God, I pray that that ministry be multiplied beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. Uh, but thank you for this opportunity to serve you uh, by serving those around us. And God, we lift up those who are hurting in, around, and connected to Ukraine. God, what, I, I am just at a loss, even when I pray to you, God, for, uh, for what to say. God, you know those who are hurting, those who have been killed, those who have lost family members, loved ones, those who are without food and water right now. God, for those who are struggling, may your mercy overwhelm and overcome. And God, may your justice come swiftly for those who are in the wrong. God, we know you are a God of justice and a God of mercy. And may both of those prevail now. Lord, we pray, we beg of you. So God, thank you for making aware, making us aware of ways that we can help one another, ways that we can uh, tell the better story and we can share the love of Christ by serving uh, those who are in need. God, I pray that we all have our hearts convicted to reach out beyond our walls and to serve those uh, locally and globally. Thank you again for Suresh and Sujana for placing this on their heart and thank you uh, for everyone who partners together to do so. God, we love you, we thank you, and we ask for your mercy, your grace, and your power. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Can we thank Suresh and Sujana one more time? Thank you.
a seat, and we'll dismiss our elementary school uh, off to Sunday school in the back. From Ecclesiastes chapter 3. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. 
He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it, so that the people fear before him. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? Did you know, uh, in the first century, very little evangelism took place during a church service? Very little. Uh, Instead, the far majority of evangelism took place person to person, friend to friend, relative to relative. Evangelism didn't happen at church because, for the most part, Uh, Only Christians attended church, uh, which is kind of like today, Um, except back then there was a different reason that only Christians attended church. Back then, during the first century, Christians really didn't want non-Christians showing up at church because very often in the first century, uh, Christianity was persecuted either by religious establishment in Israel or political leadership in Rome, and the Christians didn't want to accidentally let in some type of official uh, into their services who would blow the whistle on them and bring soldiers and persecute everyone who was there. So for the most part, Christians would not invite people to church unless they were sure those people were already Christians. No one wanted to be the guy who accidentally tipped off the authorities and got everyone arrested. Nobody wanted to be that guy, so they didn't invite people who weren't Christians. So they kept their meetings secret, but they didn't keep their faith secret. They shared their faith like crazy, person to person, friend to friend, relative to relative, and it was effective. Uh, Michael Green, in his landmark work, Evangelism, in the early church, he writes, the message of Jesus was not shared by formal preaching, but by the informal chattering to friends and chance acquaintances in homes and wine shops, on walks and around market stalls. They went everywhere gossiping the gospel. They did it naturally, enthusiastically, and with the conviction of those not paid to say 
that sort of thing. Consequently, they were taken seriously and the movement spread, notably among the lower classes. It spread, in fact, over the entire empire. And I believe we can do the same thing by the grace of God. I believe the message of Jesus can spread now as it did then. But I also assume some of you are skeptical about that. Some of you have been burned so many times that it's hard for you to believe that you could effectively share your faith now. So here's what might be encouraging. Any reason that we think Christianity couldn't spread now, the early church faced similar, if not more, difficult circumstances. For instance, here's some of our excuses. We say, I can't share my faith in Christ because our culture thinks Christianity is uneducated. It's, it's the religion for the ignorant, the unenlightened. Uh, first century, they thought the same thing. The Epicureans or the Stoics, the philosophers, they thought Christianity was foolish. They thought Christianity was unenlightened. Or we say, I can't share Christ because our culture thinks Christianity is closed-minded, narrow. First century, they thought the same thing. First century people actually called Christian atheists. Did you know that? Because Christians only believed in one God. They were like, how can you be so exclusive, you closed-minded fool? Same as today. Or we say, I can't share faith in Christ because no one in our culture cares what the Bible says. I can't say the Bible says this. Nobody cares. That's true. They don't care what the Bible says. But no one in the Roman Empire cared what the Jewish scriptures said. And the New Testament was still being written, so nobody cared what that said. Or we say, I can't share Christ because people think Christianity is weird or offensive. Did you know, in the first century, many people thought Christians were cannibals? Cannibals. Because Christians celebrated communion, right? They symbolically ate the body and blood of Jesus. But people outside of Christianity didn't understand. They were just talking about wine and bread. They didn't know that. They thought Christians were literally eating flesh and blood. So if you told someone you were a Christian, right, and they thought you were a cannibal, right? They're not really going to accept your dinner invite, right? Like, <laughs> no thanks. I don't want to be on the plate. I mean, you want to talk about being perceived as weird and offensive. Cannibalism is about as extreme as you can get, right? And yet, Christians were successful articulating their faith, individual to individual, person to person, friend to friend. They presented Christ in a way that people listened. I think we can too. But I also think many of us are unprepared to do it. And I think we could use some help knowing how to naturally, enthusiastically gossip our faith everywhere that we go. So that's what we're trying to do for six weeks. We're in our third week looking at six conversations that our friends, neighbors, colleagues often initiate, which we can enter into to show that Jesus is a better story. As a reminder, our six conversations are power. We've done that already. The vulnerable, we've done that already. Today is purpose. Then we'll have justice, friendship, and self-worth. We really believe we can compellingly, thoughtfully, graciously show 
that Jesus is a better story in all of those conversations. That's our primary goal with this series, okay? Show Jesus as the better story. Our second goal is to deepen or even begin our own faith. So this week, again, we're looking at purpose. Um, I'm going to show you a video which isn't going to make any sense, Um, but I think you'll enjoy it, Uh, and then we'll keep referring back to it later. So check out this video. Have you seen this before? There's a bunch of these online. That's funny, isn't it? I know, you're like, here he goes. You're like, why did you show that, Dan? I I don't get it. Don't worry, we'll come back to it. Um, As we look at our scripture for today, we'll see the need for purpose, the futility of work, and finally, the purpose that God provides. So the need for purpose, the futility of work, and then the purpose God provides. So first, the need for purpose is inescapable. The entire book of Ecclesiastes, I'd recommend reading the whole thing. I think it'll take you about 30 minutes. But the author, this ancient author, strains to find meaning in life. The author grapples with, why are we here? Why put forth effort? What really matters? For instance, at the beginning of our passage today, verse 9, he asks, what do we gain from all of our toil? He needs to know. If all this is pointless, like, why am I doing it? And in these verses, he quasi comes to a solution. He's like, I guess the best you can do is just enjoy what you do while it lasts. But then elsewhere, like, he bemoans. Elsewhere in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's like, whether you enjoy it or not, everything you build ends up going to somebody else. And after you build it, it doesn't actually bring you pleasure for very long. So what's really the point? Like, he strains to find meaning. Ecclesiastes brilliantly captures the human condition. It's why it's called wisdom literature. It's why it's survived for thousands of years, because it speaks to who we are and what we need still, even today. Humans must have purpose. We must work for something that actually matters. We ask, what do I gain from my toil? And we must have an answer. Um, Numerous studies show we live longer if we have purpose. Uh, 2019 study published by the Journal of the American Medical Association followed 7,000 adults over the age of 50. Massive study. The ones who reported the lowest sense of purpose in their life were twice as likely to die compared to those reporting the highest sense of purpose. So back when that menial job drove you nuts, and you thought I'd rather die than go work there another day? That's a real thing. Like, they measured it. It's true. We must have purpose. We've all experienced the class we knew we would never use, and it was torture to be there. It was called geometry. (laughs) Remember the endless hours, obtuse angles, proofs, I mean, if hell were a choice between lake of burning sulfur or a desk with an endless stack of geometry problems, that's a tough call, right? 
seriously, what was the point of that class? What did we gain from our toil? Unless you're an architect, okay? Granted, uh, the rest of us did not need geometry at all. So I really hope all the architects do something cool enough to make it worth it for the rest of us to have endured geometry, right? Architects, if you're out there, I want the Willy Wonka elevator that goes sideways. <laughs> I want the Harry Potter tent or the Doctor Who TARDIS that is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. That's what I want. And if architects can pull that off, then geometry was worth it for the rest of us. There would have been a purpose for all of our suffering. I'm, I'm only half joking. Like, seriously. I mean, the mere fact that we are so irritated that we had to endure a pointless class, right? We're grasping to find some reason for our toil. What does that show us? It shows us how deeply we must find purpose in what we do. We must. We are not okay being forced to sit in that class for a year unless there was some reason for it, right? We must have purpose or we go crazy. What do I gain from all my toil? We need purpose, but there's a problem. If we're honest, we realize the futility of work is undeniable. What does the worker gain from his toil? Verse nine. Nothing. That's the answer of Ecclesiastes, verse 19. It's all vanity. Other translations use the word meaningless. It's the word for smoke or vapor. It's elusive. There isn't anything real to it. We only have the illusion of meaning. Man has no advantage over the beast. Or verse 20, we all go to the same place. From dust, for all are from dust to dust all return. He's like, you really don't gain anything for what you do because you end up right back where you started. Dust. Here's the sobering reality. We come to the exact same end, whether we spend our lives as titans of industry or we spend our lives laying in bed all day. We come to the exact same end. We all return to dust. Wait, it gets worse. Not only us, but everyone that we care about. No matter how much we do for them, they will come to the exact same end. So when we say, I'm working so hard to provide for my family, I mean, great, I think we should do that. But ultimately, all that effort is going to have the exact same outcome as if we had done nothing at all. They are all going to return to dust as well. And not only them, but all of human civilization too. I mean, if we want to uh, like improve the world for future generations, I think that's awesome, noble aim, but all those future generations are going to come to the exact same end as if we had done nothing at all. They are all going to return to dust. We have accomplished nothing, really. We cannot change the final outcome. We can't. If we're honest, we realize how pointless everything ultimately is. So let's watch our video again, and now maybe it'll make sense. You know what this illustration is? This is our lives. We start in the ditch. 
We are dust. We start in the ditch. We get up. We run a little. It was fun. And then we're back in the ditch. That's our life. But it's also the life of everyone we will ever help. They get up and run a little. Maybe our kids grow or go to college. That Maybe they have a family. And then what? They are back in the ditch. To dust they return. It's also a summary of all of human civilization. Right? We came to be somehow. We got out of the ditch. We've accomplished much. We run around a little. Awesome. Then we return to dust. Even if humanity develops technology to leave Earth and we colonize other planets, that would be super cool. The galaxy is going to end. It's going to run out of energy, back to dust. There, there is no accomplishment or trophy at the end of our toil. There is nothing there. There is nothing we can do to change the end of the story. Sure, we can run around a little out there in the field for a minute, but then it's back to the ditch. That's it. It's undeniable. One thing I really appreciate, seriously, honestly, really appreciate from modern atheists, if you read them, I love them. Um, they are not trying to deny this. They're not trying to find meaning anymore. They admit, yeah, there is no meaning, and you just need to deal with it. William Provine writes, there are no gods, no purposes, no goal-oriented forces of any kind. There is no ultimate foundation for ethics, no ultimate meaning in life, no free will for humans either. We can't unpack all that today. Uh, Alex Rosenberg says, what is the purpose of the universe? There is none. What is the meaning of life? Ditto. Does history have any meaning or purpose? No. It's full of sound and fury signifying nothing. If we're honest, it's undeniable. We're just sheep running back to the ditch from whence we came. So question, is that enough for you? Is that enough purpose for you? Or does it drive you crazy? Do you feel like life and existence is one cosmic geometry class? Is the little bit of time that you have running around in the field, all the while knowing that you're going to end up right back in the ditch where you started, is that enough? Uh, Jerry Cohn, evolutionary biologist, and he's an author too, says it is enough for him. He's an atheist. He writes, uh, if you're an atheist and an evolutionary biologist, what you think is, I'm lucky to have these 80-odd years. How can I make the most of my existence here? So that's what he thinks. That's one story. You're a sheep. You've been pulled out of the ditch. You have a little time to run. And man, you better enjoy it. Because that's it. That's one story. Frankly, that story is not enough for me. I doubt, honestly, in Jerry Cohn's heart, it's enough for him either. Knowing, knowing your whole life the lives of everyone you will ever love. All of human civilization is just on one giant arc back to the ditch. Sound and fury signifying nothing. That's not a very good story. It should drive you crazy. 
because God put eternity on our hearts, verse 11. We know we are made for something more than futility. We can sense the eternal. We know we should be able to make a real difference, like a real one. We know it. And it's maddening to us when we are faced with the undeniable reality that we can't actually change any final outcome. We can't change it. It's all going to end the same, no matter what. We can only change the small details of how we run around in the field before we're ultimately back in the inevitable ditch. That's maddening. And it's why we need the purpose that God provides, which is eternal. Our efforts will eventually amount to nothing, verse 14. But what God does lasts forever, and only what God does lasts forever. So our choices are participate in what God is doing or amount to nothing at all. Just rot and decay and be forgotten. And notice, I said participate in what God is doing. I did not say our other choice is to do something for God as if we can add to what he's doing. It says right here, we cannot add to what he's doing. Verse 14, it's not like God is waiting on us to join him so now he can finally accomplish his mission. That's not it. Instead, it's like his mission is happening and we can jump into that um, and be part of something that lasts forever or we can have our own tiny little temporary story be a sheep on the way back to the ditch. Those are the two choices. And unfortunately, all of humanity, uh, you, me, everyone, has chosen to have our own tiny little temporary story instead of joining the eternal story. Back to our earliest ancestors, God said to them, trust me, listen to me, be with me. And they said, same as the rest of us, they said, no, I don't trust you because I can't see any good reason for what you're saying. I'm going to trust my own heart, follow my own instincts. I'm not going to do what you want to do because uh, I want to do what I want to do. So we struck out on our own and we left the eternal story. We pledged allegiance to ourselves instead of God. We self-imposed banishment from the eternal and deceived ourselves into thinking that that was freedom. But that is why we have such angst about our purpose. We have some kind of memory or awareness of our former status in the universe, but we've traded it for something far less. We know we're supposed to be part of something that lasts forever, but we also know we're not part of it. And that would be the end of the story if it weren't for God, if it weren't for Jesus. The Christian story is God comes to rescue us from our path of insignificance. We're blazing a trail to meaningless and God meaninglessness, but God comes to get us, to bring us back to him. The eternal comes to earth. Jesus comes to earth to rescue us from our self-imposed banishment. Jesus takes the curse that we bear for forsaking God. On the cross, Jesus is subjected to rot, decay, wrath, banishment, from the eternal, so that we can be reinstated, so that we can have our purpose again, so that we can participate in what God is doing again. That's the Christian story. Now, how to share that in the context of conversations that you're already having. Uh, first, 
maybe as a reminder how not to share it, just based on some conversations I had this week. If someone is totally distraught and asks, what am I even doing with my life? You know, maybe work terminated them. Kids moved out of the house, and it's now difficult for them to function. Do not come in and say, well, you just need to trust God. That's why you're so upset. No, goodness. If that's what any of you are hearing when I say share your faith in the context of conversations you are already having, um, I'm sorry. I failed in communicating somehow. So somebody's that upset, just sit with them. Be upset with them. Weep with those who weep. Life is on fire for them. They have an open wound. They are going to talk about it with you probably a million times if it's that bad. So be sensitive to that. And then as time goes on, as is appropriate, you share the hope that you have. In other words, don't try to shortcut to the gospel. We've called this series a better story. It takes a minute to get to the end of the story. If you just let the cat, the cat out of the bag at the beginning, it's not going to make any sense, right? They have to go along the journey with you. And it is a journey to see how the gospel intersects with all the areas of our life. We don't pick it up instantly. I imagine even for some of you, during this series, you are only now beginning to see or wrestle with connections between power, the vulnerable purpose, etc., and what Jesus did for us. Maybe you've been a Christian for 40 years, but you've never thought about how a power conversation connects to the gospel. You've never thought about it. And if you've never thought about it, if you've just now started to, started to make those connections, you can't expect somebody else with no background at all to be able to like skip all the way to the end. You have to build the concept in their mind, probably slowly, certainly compassionately meaning you will have many conversations with your friends, neighbors, colleagues in order to comprehensively share the full greatness of Jesus, right? It, it takes a minute to tell that story. Don't shortcut it. Let it build. So maybe an example or two of when people might bring up the theme of purpose. Hopefully you've talked about other examples in your life group already, but here's a couple. Maybe you and your friend um, are joking about why Tom Brady retired from retiring, he went back to the NFL after being retired for like 40 days, right? It's not a very serious conversation, but people have it. Um, people say, I guess he wasn't satisfied rolling around in his millions of dollars, uh, being able to live on a beach and do, just doing guest appearances on talk shows for the rest of his life, something, right? Or the next time the lottery is at a billion dollars, people are like, what would I do with that? I'd lay on the beach, right? Um, so then you can laugh, right? Um, and then you can say, what? I just, do you think anyone can do that? Just do nothing? And be at peace with themselves? You think that's possible? You know, like the office space guy wanted to do nothing? If that reference means anything to you, um, I can tell since none of you laughed. You haven't seen that old movie. Um, I don't know what your friend will say. <clears throat> um, but, but whether your friend thinks that we're capable of doing nothing or not, uh, you can share your thoughts, which are probably something like, I think humans have a need to feel like what we do really matters. I think if we don't have purpose, I think we go crazy. 
Uh, your friend will probably agree. Maybe your friend will say, yeah, when I'm working on a cool project or an important project, I feel better than if I'm working on a menial project. And you're like, absolutely. Um, and if, if what we've worked so hard to put together, <clears throat> if that ends up getting scrapped by management or tossed aside or superseded by someone else's work, we feel pretty worthless. Like, what was the point of all those hours I just put in if you were going to scrap the project, right? Say, I really think humans must be doing something that is really meaningful. It's just in us. But there's a problem. If we're honest, we really can't do anything that is actually meaningful. Now, at this point, you need to decide how deep to describe the problem to your friend. Uh, which probably depends on past conversations that you've had with your friend. But bottom line, we really can't change any outcomes. Everything is going to end exactly how it would have ended if we had done nothing at all. Sheep back to the ditch. We can kind of trick ourselves into thinking what we do matters. We can kind of put our head in the sand and ignore the futility of reality. But the futility is there, and it's maddening. It's so maddening, um, I think we know that there's something wrong with it. Like, life can't be so pointless, right? It just, it just can't be. You can say that to your friend. Um, I bet your friend at that point would say something like, you know, I don't really like to think about that stuff. Um, and you say, I don't either, frankly. But here's the question, why don't we like to think about it? Why would we rather put our heads in the sand and ignore reality than face the fact that we have no purpose? Why is that? Which maybe that's the end of the conversation for that day. But then later down the road, something else comes up and you remind them. You're like, hey, remember? We must have purpose. We must have it. And if we're told that we don't have it, it drives us bonkers because we can't live without it. Literally, we die if we don't have purpose. They've measured it. Um, it's maddening to be reminded that we don't have purpose. And God put that in us. You can make an, the assertion, God put eternity in our hearts. We know our efforts should be able to last forever, but they don't, and we're upset about it. Just like the author of this ancient book, Ecclesiastes, was upset about it. But the Christian story is that we have a way back to eternal purposes. The one with infinite worth and significance gave up his significance so we can regain ours. That's a pretty good story, right? And he invites us to join with him in what he is doing in the world so that then everything we do has a plot line to the eternal. Everything. Uh, we mentioned this on the video, but if you aren't in a small group, um, the reformers of the 16th century really uh, unintentionally, it's not what they were trying to do, but they did, uh, create an economic engine that changed the world, like through their theology. Um, they were preaching in the context of this feudal system of peasants and serfs and lords, um, but they showed the common person um, that God provides for the world through human effort. Um, Martin Luther said, when you pray for your daily bread, for instance, God doesn't make it magically appear on your plate. God uses 
farmers and merchants in a system of trade which is supported by courts and protected by officers of the law. Everyone has an essential role to play, even in something as simple as how God provides daily bread. And if you have shifted your allegiance, you know, once upon a time, you worked for yourself or for your own fame, which will only rot and decay and be forgotten. But now you've switched your allegiance to working for the one who rescued you from meaninglessness. If you've done that, then you understand everything you do is with him. Everything you do is in line with what he is doing. And therefore, everything you do has now eternal significance. You are part of how God is feeding the world. You are part of how God is connecting the world for all of you in tech. You are part of how God is redeeming the world. Whatever God does lasts forever. Verse 14, and he's providing for the world and healing it. You can't add to it, but you can join it. 16th century, people heard this and they started working like crazy. They start, as hard as they could, they went out and were farmers and serfs and milking cows, not in order to achieve something, not in order to get fame, but because they had been given an eternal purpose to what they had, were doing. They had just been liberated out of meaninglessness. Um, so they, they loved work. They loved work whether their overlord was nice to them or not. That didn't matter anymore because they knew what they were doing mattered forever because it was part of what God was doing and what God does last forever. That's a better story, isn't it? What you do matters forever. Being invited to work alongside God, that's better than it having no meaning at all. Um, being part of the eternal story instead of like scrapping for our own recognition that will ultimately fade and rot and be forgotten. It's better. Thank God for Jesus, who was banished from the eternal so that we could be reunited to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us a purpose. Thank you for inviting us back into your purpose, Lord, even though we have, have chosen to blaze our own trail towards something that is meaningless and something that will rot and decay, Lord, you still chose to rescue us back into your story and have given us a role in the greatest story that has ever been told. I pray, Lord, that we can enthusiastically work, um, work as ones who are partnering with you, and I pray that we can enthusiastically share uh, the purpose that you have given us, how it is a better story than meaninglessness. We pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I
Can we all stand and sing this together?
Well, thank you for joining us for worship this morning. It has been great to lift our voices together, uh, to hear yet another powerful message from Pastor Dan. Thank you. Uh, started out quite encouraging, but uh, thank you for once again pointing us to that better story, to Jesus, uh, who gives us that purpose. Thank you so much. Uh, well, there are some great ways that we can stay connected and we can continue to be connected. Uh, if you have any questions about Dan's message today, uh, head to bridges.info. We would love to hear your questions, and Dan responds uh, to those. If you submit uh, your contact info, we'll respond to you directly. If you want to remain anonymous, that is fine. Uh, but submit those questions. Also, at bridges.info, you can give uh, to the ministry. Thank you for those who continually uh, give to support the ministry here and around the world. And if you have physical money today or a check, we have boxes on the back wall you can give to support. And also at bridges.info, you can sign up to be connected with Much Hope and all the efforts that they are doing as we heard about in our service. Lastly, real quick, if you were here at the beginning of service, you heard on the video, we have our Easter egg hunt coming up. And so we are beginning to collect candy. We've got tons of eggs but we need the candy to put in the eggs. So there's boxes out in the lobby. If you could uh, drop off some candy, donate that for our Easter egg hunt. Let us love our surrounding community and welcome them here on our campus. Thanks for joining us, and I will see you back next week. God bless. Sorry.